Hello and welcome to another episode of the Generosity Freak Show. I'm your host, Brady Josephson, and today we have the pleasure of chatting with Olga Adrienko. She's the head of global marketing at SEM Rush, an online visibility and marketing analytics software. Uh, we happen to use it and we happen to recommend it. It's pretty great. Um, she has developed a lot of the social media and community built up around SEM Rush. She actually started in social media for them. So we talk about how she got her job. It's kind of a fun story. And then we talk about social media and some tips on how organizations can use it better, particularly around listening and how to use it to develop great content. Then we talk about search engine optimization or SEM and some of the trends and some of the things that they're finding. And she, again, provides some tips for organizations on how they can better use uh, SEO as part of their strategy to drive more traffic. Uh, And then I ask her what it's like to manage 13 teams in 50 countries, not because it really relates to generosity. I just think it's fascinating. Uh, How do you do that in so many different languages and cultures? And then we end with a short question and discussion around generosity. And Olga gives a really great answer about uh, gratitude. So that comes at the end. I'll leave that for a little teaser for you. So big thanks for Olga for joining. Uh, It was pretty late at night for her in Russia. So we appreciate her joining and sharing some of her time and expertise with us. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go I said welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Hi Olga, thanks for coming on the show Thanks for having me, great to be here uh, I appreciate you staying up at night to make the time zones work uh, for this interview. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's 24-7 uh, for for me. And um, yeah, uh, it's definitely not normal hours. So <laughs> that's fine. Well, that's one of the things uh, I actually want to talk about is what is it like to do global marketing in over 50 countries? But we'll get there. Um, <laughs> And you've got all kinds of different, you know, digital marketing experience and the work that you do at SEM Rush. I'd just love to know, how did you end up at SEM Rush and get into this world of digital marketing? So um, I was... um, um... I was working for um, a bus company that would be similar somehow to Greyhound bus, but it was in um, in a Baltic state, so it was Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, um, and. Um, so I was there as a regional sales manager and then transitioned to marketing. And when I transitioned to marketing, the world of SEO really scared me, but social media really sounded friendly and I started (laughs) discovering more. And then I actually left the company, uh, but still had like, and continued, um, um, well, learning about social. And then I, uh, enrolled in a whole um, social media marketing summit uh, of like the hmm. month of uh, webinars. And I thought that I'll take a break for a while. So I was watching this uh, really nice webinar by Ian Cleary, and he was sharing a lot of marketing tools that um, uh, social media marketers should use to succeed and he said and then he transitions to the new tool and he said well guys this is not that exactly social media but you can type in the domain of your competitors and then check the keywords they're ranking for and then that's where you kind of get the ideas for content or for hashtags or whatnot and then i Mm -hmm. actually i was amazed at 
the two well the tools like this exist so i paused the webinar yeah. and i went to the tool <laughs> and the tool was SEMrush. and um i started typing in my previous competitors from bus company and i was overwhelmed by, by the information and then i looked at the um, i looked at um at the logo and i realized i've seen it somewhere and i realized it was a recruitment website and mm. uh so I thought that whatever uh, job um, they have open, um, and I was in St. Petersburg, Russia at the time, um, and I uh, thought that whatever they have, I will apply for it because I believed yeah. in the product so much, <laughs> and I just I wanted to work there. And uh, hmm. I opened the page, and they have social media marketing manager, which completely just uh, uh, yeah, matched what I was just, um, just well, learning. So I sent them a message like, guys, you're so awesome. I want to work for you. I just, <laughs> I just uh, discovered the tool in the webinar. And hmm. um, I go to the interview two weeks later. And uh, a week later, I'm a part of a team. So basically, no yeah. So um, I had only <laughs> two weeks uh, of rest between the jobs. And I initially planned for a lot more. Uh, but yeah, that was just, um, yeah. Um, a great opportunity and then out of the blue and uh, since then I always believed that this is where I should have ended up um, hmm. and so that's yeah, cool that, that's how I joined that's awesome so you started on the on the social side yeah. so let's talk a little bit about uh, social media which is I mean we could spend hours and hours <laughs> talking about social media but uh, so you oversaw all the social media for SEM Rush yeah. for a number of years and you said uh, social was maybe more accessible than SEO but like what do you love about uh, social media when it comes to d digital marketing? Um, direct communication I think or hmm. um, that I well so I don't I don't like sales because sales is just pushy and direct so it's outbound what I like hmm. about social media is that uh, you still have a conversation and you can still proceed, but then the decision is um, made by the by the person you were talking to. So this is right. still a direct communication, but in a lot subtle, subtler way. And mm -hmm. um, once I actually made a sale, so first sale that I've done was <laughs> I started... Um, so, and I wasn't hired for sales, so, uh, but I uh, I started dis uh, discovering the tools for social media, and then I just offered uh, a barter deal. So I offered um, the tool to use SEM Russian, and so I could use them. And then they mm -hmm. ended up buying um, API units for a lot of thousand dollars. So that was uh, within my three <laughs> months in the company. And uh, nice. then I also I started listening. So I typed in SEM Russian Twitter, and I hated Twitter before that. But I just mm. learned that Twitter um, makes well, the, well, search is super easy, and I was a pro at advanced filters. So I started uh, just uh, searching for people who already uh, talk about us. And that's where hmm. I started the conversation. So I think hmm. that um, a lot of companies, well, what, even if they don't have the budgets for, well, social media marketing managers to really build this whole thread of nice posts and filter and then publish valuable information, what they can definitely do is they, they can type, well, tune in the discussions that happen already. Uh, and that actually can be done by the business owner or, well, just the director of a company because they are most knowledgeable. In our case, I wasn't knowledgeable about SEO at all. So mm. I had two jobs when I joined. I had the job of 
doing social media for SEMrush, and that means that uh-huh. I'm a professional social media PR content and whatever. But I also yeah. had to be, and I well, I needed to be an SEO because right. people were asking us questions about SEO. So I was reading tons, like well, every day until 3 a.m. I was just um, reading mm. every article that I could possibly read. So I was really engaged, and I also helped. I guess. But yeah, um, yeah so I once, uh, my team was um, in Finland um, in a, in a, at an expo in Helsinki. And I see, I see this tweet that asked, that was, uh, what, which is better, SEMrush switch metrics? And um, so I check um, who tweeted that. And this is uh, just a random person from Helsinki. So what I do, I just say, well, if you are in Helsinki now, like you go to this expo, my team will meet you and we'll do a demo. Cool. And that actually the guy didn't went there and then he is the client mm-hmm. until this day. So um, no for way. six years. Yes. So uh, cool. this is some, well, this stories don't happen every day from social media, Yeah. but by tapping in, well, by just looking at people searching for people who already are mentioning the brand or mentioning maybe the competitors. You have to be a bit um, like ethical there, but still yeah. um, just joining the discussion, really valuable, sharing valuable information, or if there is a direct question about your tool and not being shy yeah. and then offering uh, help or introduction or walkthrough definitely really helped us also to take clients from social. Yeah. And it seems like, um, you know, even just in the the short time we've been talking, you, you research and listen and search and, you know, like that's, that's where I think the huge value of social actually is, is there's people talking and communicating all day long about the things that they're interested in and the things that they're passionate about and the questions that they have. And it's such a rich, uh, source of data for us as marketers to try to better understand customers. And yet the number one question that always happens or always gets asked uh, to us, at least when socials, how many times should I post? Or, yeah. you know, it's all about distribution or communicating at, and no one ever asks a question of like, how do I better understand? Or how do I listen? You know? And so maybe as we get more sophisticated with social, that will switch, but it just seems like that's such a huge opportunity is to like, listen and better understand. Right. Yeah, that's true. But there's, well, a lot of companies do not understand that there are two jobs. There's social media marketing manager, uh, and that's the specialist that posts and they take care of the threads. They take care mm-hmm. of conversions. Maybe or they also do paid ads. Um, and then there's a community manager. And mm. uh, oftentimes uh, both jobs are expected uh, from one mm. person. But community manager is someone who is the strengths are absolutely different. So they are good mm. with people there. Well, they just, they are, they're able to talk, they're able to listen, they're able to search mm. for relevant information, their relevant discussions to tap into. And then they mm. not necessarily, they can really be bad at posting, but they um, should be just good at making sure that within like two, 280 characters or what, whatever, well, the, uh, well, depending on the social media uh, that they're right. using, um, then they fit uh, what well, the value into the message and they also make the audience feel that the brand cares about them. So I, I mm-hmm. really believe mm-hmm. that both, well, two jobs don't really, um, you cannot find the person, you rarely can find the person that would combine these two roles. 
Right. No, that's a really good point. I mean, people may not have the opportunity to hire two, yeah. but even just knowing that, you know, you're probably going to have to lean one way or the other, right? Do yeah. you want this person to be more of the social media marketer or maybe more of the community manager, but expecting them to be excellent at both is really hard, yes. right? That's, yeah. a, that's a really good point. Um, you know, one of the talks that I, I've seen that you do is talking really about, you know, using social to drive conversions, yeah. which I think is really interesting. Because uh, a lot of times it's like, yeah, social is great for engagement and conversations and the soft stuff, but, you know, it's not so great at driving actions. What are some of the kind of key things or key secrets or, you know, uh, key things to note about using social to actually drive conversions and not just have, you know, fun conversations? Um, I think, um, well, the key is really to not target everyone. Hmm. Um, and uh, then, well... Uh, if you target narrow audience, then they, you're able to convert them more. And uh, I think social really works in terms of uh, building thought leadership. So that's what uh, we did. And um, how I also approached this are a lot of uh, new people uh, well discovered about us through social because of our weekly Twitter chat. It's been going for five and mm. a half years now, uh, with the exception of Christmas week. And that's it. Um, and um, that's also, I think, uh, something that we've done really well. That, um, and then also that applied to my own strengths. Um, so I thought that, okay, I'm, um, when I talk, you can hear that I'm not a native speaker. When I write, you cannot understand that I'm not hmm. a native speaker. And then, um, and then now I know a lot about SEO. I'm comfortable when I do the panel discussions and conferences, but I wasn't mm -hmm. like this. Um, six years ago. And so mm. I needed a bit of time, like a bit of a gap between what mm. I write and what I write. And then, so I couldn't really moderate the discussion. Uh, so I need a bit of prep. And then the text, text was really uh, my strong side compared to yeah. the, um, like video and interview. So I thought that if I, and then also Twitter was really a great platform for us because there was a lot of chat in the SEO community there. So I just, yeah. uh, and then I thought that I apply my strengths and also tap into the um, uh, social media that everybody seems to be using. Um, and then we started the chat. So I researched the topics and the top, I, I just, I took a really easiest way. So I didn't even check our tool, which would have been also a smart well, way to do it. <laughs> but anyway, so I just checked the top conferences, like, all SEO advertising conferences there. I mm. took every title of the presentation. I, re I just um, re rephrased it somehow. And that was my mm -hmm. chat topic. So I like it, huh. that's a no brainer uh, because yeah. I knew that top conferences care about the trending topics and then the most popular ones. And the titles are yes. key. Yeah, yes. exactly. So that's, Interesting. that's what I did. And um, uh, I also... And then I started inviting people. How I invite invited people, I think, uh, also that was well. Uh, tools for that are easy. The, some some are even free. Uh, so I exported all of our Twitter audience. I hmm. if I had a chat about SEO, then I would filter in Excel. I would filter the bios by keyword SEO or search, and then I invited personally all people in that would were following us in that chat and um hmm. then they started 
being active and then they just spread the word. So I built the community mm. that were easily yeah. sharing our content. We were sharing theirs during the chat. So I have a rule that we retweet like crazy because that's the hour where our audience gets all the attention of our wider mm. audience. And I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, and then a lot of people just started um, being interested in the tool because we covered all the topics that we could like, sure. provide the solutions for. Um, yeah. So that's where they just, uh, a lot of people just started de de well, messaging us that guys were considering like we we're interested in the tool just because yeah. we uh, were exposing ourselves to a really targeted audience uh, based on the well, audience, the well, small audience that I handpicked. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such a good example of, um, you know, how to build community, be targeted, you know, do research, uh, create something of value that people will care about. Uh, but I think a lot of people who use social, I think part of the thing is they go, oh, it's so easy, right? Anyone <laughs> can send a post or, right. So it's easy, but you know, just even hearing that of, you know, if you really want to harness the power and build community, it's, it's work, you yeah. know, search, export, personally invite, you know, do it yeah. over five years every week. You know, like those are the things that, that you have to do to actually kind of extract the value. So that's a really great kind of case study. Um, any kind of like quick tips or suggestions maybe for nonprofits listening of kind of things that you see brands do wrong, maybe on social or something that you've seen brands do really well that maybe nonprofits could use? Uh, I think uh, there are numerous ways for nonprofits to, um, well, to use social, maybe, well, um, so a lot of people who are passionate about some topic, they share the posts online with the hashtags or they just, well, so um, actually finding the influences that would be passionate about their mm. topic um, and about, well, the charity that they have or, well, about their organization. Well, just, um, yeah. Um, so there, there are small communities um, that have, uh, a handful of really huge influences and influences become influences because they want to share the next new thing or they really have a voice and then they're not looking for most of the time, like they're not doing it for money, but they're doing mm. it for a greater cause. So aligning right. your nonprofit with these influences and then finding the ones that resonate uh, with you and then your um, the, 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 solution, the problem that you're trying to solve resonates with them. I think social is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, also really uh, look at micro-influences. Micro so we always, yeah. I always work with micro-influences more than with gods, as we call it, uh, because, <laughs> uh, um, well, micro-influences, they do have time for your brand. Uh, mm -hmm. They do, yeah, they, because they're growing their, their brand, they want also the support or they want to um, share something meaningful and uh, they, well, they just invest, um, in, well, and, yeah, support um, others easy, easily. So um, yeah, the tip would be um, talk to, search for relevant influencers. Don't really search for someone who would have 50,000 followers. They're not going right. to notice your direct message. Um, yeah. but then, uh, someone who have 5k or 10k followers, uh, then the, yes, they, they will be seeing your message and then they will be replying quite uh, well, likely. And also maybe building a thought leadership, uh, on social media. And then if, if a director of a nonprofit has the time, then it's great if they can, 
uh, go and then have chats because that's way that's the way that well the account will be building thought leadership and uh, also it's maybe great for someone who would want to donate uh, mm -hmm. if they see this company as a front runner as someone who is really driving this or force, then uh, they're likely to notice yeah. that. So that's also one thing. And also forming the community. So whoever is already donating, who's already involved um, in, the, in, in the venture, uh, then um, creating a private Facebook group or creating the open community and then, mm -hmm. or maybe um, having a, well, creating well, WhatsApp group or you can, well, there are numerous of things depending on what yeah. information you have about people and what, where the audience is hanging out. So I would say that harnessing the community that already is engaged, um, that look social is great for that and um, it's free. So that's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I love, that's a great point on like the, the micro influencer. I think that's a step that a lot of nonprofits could really tap into. There's really passionate people about certain causes that, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 followers that would love to get behind a campaign and use that influence. But everyone always is like goes for Justin Bieber and whoever. <laughs> it's like no chance, yeah, you know, yeah. just like no, no chance. And there is huge uh, potential there. So that's really interesting. Um, so thank you for that. I'm sure we could talk and pick your brain all day long on social, but let's, let's move on to, to some SEO. I can't talk to someone from SEM Rush and not talk about, <laughs> yeah. you know, SEO. So uh, maybe for more casual kind of digital marketers and SEO folks or people who hear SEO and just like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. want to talk about it. Um, what, like, what is a trend that you see happening or kind of like what's going on in 2020 that, um, you know, people need to be aware of uh, around SEO and kind of where is it headed? Um, or how are people finding websites today differently than even just five years ago? So we've, we uh, continue analyzing um, the traffic sources, so where the websites get traffic from. And right now, um, over 50% of uh, traffic um, um, comes from organic search. So hmm. that means that Google now is a primary driver of traffic. And that puts... Um, um, yeah, companies in an interesting position. So unless they invest in search, then they really lose or have to uh, spend enormous budgets on ads. And uh, I would say that, um, well, content is a great solution to that. So um, most of the companies, if, if you look at um, the websites, they always, if you open any home page, then they will be saying like what we offer, like that's like, that's me, 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 me. Yeah. And um, yeah. um, I think um, what companies really need to have um, is the well solutions to problems, uh, maybe some FAQ pages, or maybe, you know, the questions that the audience is asking already. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a great way to start uh, because Nobody's interested in your company. They're interested in the solutions to their problems. Or in mm -hmm. um, in case of nonprofits, then they probably are searching for the ways to help. So they're bothered about, right. well, as, for example, well, some, um, well, um, maybe something about net nature, about ecology, right? So then mm -hmm. they they will be searching for like, how can I help? Uh, and the tree or how can I, well, so what can I do basically to save the planet? And uh, yeah. this is nothing about a certain nonprofit, but this is 
this is actually a person who is already interested and then probably yeah. is uh, ready to donate. And yeah. um, I think that uncovering those questions uh, that people are asking uh, on, the, on the stage where they are already willing to help, um, but not well necessarily um, knowing about your brand or not your mm -hmm. company. That's the, that's, that's, the, that's the content that you need to cover. This is the questions that you need to answer. And then so if, uh, um, if you pick these questions uh, that tend to be long, um, so it should be like six, seven or more words, because mm -hmm. with the long, key, long tail keywords, that's what they call. So it's a lower search volume and then longer keyword. Um, so with those, uh, you have less competition. Mm -hmm. And um, if you well, publish relevant content um, and then really honestly try to help the user without selling or without encouraging them to donate completely upfront, then I would say that they will still, um, um, I don't know, well, uh, they will not leave the website and they will unlikely to um, know more. And then they will at least get to know your brand or your yeah. logo. And then next time they will think that they want to, um, well, enroll or well, just um, engage in some um, nonprofit venture, then they will be uh, searching for your brand already. So I would yeah. say that content uh, solving problems is the key. Yeah. And uh, I'll have a follow-up question there in a bit, but just want to reiterate, you know, when, when we do analysis of nonprofit websites and we do benchmarking studies or whatever, the biggest problem that we see facing nonprofits is just a lack of volume. You know, like their conversion rates aren't necessarily bad. Um, you know, when they ask people to give, it's not necessarily bad. It's just they have a thousand people and they need 10,000, you know, or they have 5,000 and they need 50,000. And the, the reason why they're not getting that is one, there's a level of sophistication and, you know, um, SEO and optimization. But the biggest thing is they're not producing content, like period. You know, they have newsletters perhaps, mm -hmm. or they have PDF documents, but it's not the type of content that's actually useful for people who are searching. Uh, and so if someone's kind of saying, you know, I have some content in print materials, or, you know, we speak at events, like people are producing content, it's just not, you know, living on the website, or they want to move towards this idea of how do we answer people's questions with content? What are some of the first steps maybe that they can do? Can they use SEM Rush to actually yeah. figure out what questions people are asking um, so that they can tie their content to it? Yeah. So um, we have a, a tool called Keyword Magic Tool, and it's a gigantic vocabulary of uh, almost 20 mm -hmm. billion keywords. And so it, um, every nonprofit has um, certain well um, topics that uh, they cover right so the core topics so if you mm -hmm. type in the short topic um in a keyword magic tool then we'll give you all of the um, questions um people are actually asking in um, google uh for this topic mm -hmm. and then you can filter that by search volume by number of words and then mm -hmm. further down the grouping um so um we'll just will help you narrow down the, these questions as much as possible. And then you pick them. And basically what I suggest is that, uh, well, if um, every nonprofit has engaged audience and there should be someone uh, that maybe there's a re retired journalist or maybe hmm. there's uh, just someone who's passionate about writing. Uh, 
Uh, it's always mm -hmm. worth asking in the community guys who can help us build the content. And then uh, what should happen uh, when you have the list of those questions um, and those topics, then uh, there should be someone knowledgeable in the company or you might ask a thought leader to help you answer these questions. The easiest way is to ask them record the audio message or um, record the short interview and then ask mm. someone who can transform this into text. Um, yeah. So I would still uh, I would ask the expert the the big mm. the strongest expert you know uh, on this topic mm. and then I would ask someone else to transform it. Um, so mm. that's the that's the next steps I would say. That's great. That's a that's a wonderful idea. Um, you know we use recording and translation all the time to move like webinars or presentations into eBooks and that's how we do our research studies mm. is we'll prepare a PowerPoint presentation and we'll just record it for an hour and a half and then we get it transcribed. And we find it's a lot easier instead of like writing, you know, mm -hmm. so many pages and then yeah. the tone comes a lot, uh, comes across a lot better too. It's more conversational and then you, you can tweak it on writing. But I hadn't thought about that for just, you know, content creation of saying, what's the question? Go to an expert, whoever it might be, get their answer, record it, translate it. That's a great idea. Thank you. I'm going to okay. steal that one. <laughs> uh, well, same thing. SEO is its own, you know, yeah. huge topic, but, um, any, any kind of like maybe final tips for someone who's just interested in going deeper in, in SEO or again, common things you see people do wrong or, or people, um, yeah, quick tips for them to, to do for SEO. Well, I see that technical SEO is a really huge part where people, well, most of the companies fail because it's just, um, technically advanced and difficult. Um, mm. still I would recommend running a site audit of your website and understanding the core issues and maybe asking some webmaster to mm. uh, fix or well definitely every website has someone well someone works on your website so uh, maybe also understand helping them understand um, the issues that they should fix uh, so yeah. Google will crawl and understand your website better uh, something yeah. that uh, definitely um works and then when we analyzed uh the biggest losers of the google updates um mm. so um in terms of well um so technical seo issues uh, the website that have technical seo issues in whatever industry if the update uh, update happens then they go down and mm. then also thin content meaning maybe well just irrelevant content outdated content Mm. Um, yeah, everything around that. Um, also now, well, website security, um, mm. um, def definitely depending on niche, but yeah, um, that matters. And then, uh, page speed also something that, um, so your mm. website needs to go fast. So what, what actually happens in a lot of ways. And then if, um, I was in the previous job, I was uploading pictures to the website. I actually mm -hmm. didn't even care or check the size of the images. That was right. that was like twenty well um, twenty ten, which was fine back then. But <laughs> um, so now, if you upload the image that is uh, two megabytes, then it and then if you have tens or well hundreds of images on mm -hmm. the website, that's going to significantly lower uh, the well the speed well the load speed. So um, I recommend uh, I cannot now remember off the top of my head the tool that can well compresses the images, but definitely mm -hmm. make sure that if you upload the images then or videos for that matter, uh, then you compress yeah. them and um, 
yeah. do not necessarily uh, unnecessarily increase the load speed. Yeah, no, that's a great tip. And I know, um, you know, I used to have my own blog and then we do a lot of content marketing and it's, you know, by the time you finally write this blog post and you finally get it ready to publish, you're just like, please, I just want to <laughs> yeah. click publish and move on with my life. <laughs> it is absolutely worth the extra seven minutes to compress the image tag it properly, you know, do like the three things because you will not go back and do it. And to go back like two years later and yeah. try to figure out all this stuff that's wrong, there's no way you ever do it, you know? That's so true. take the extra like five, 10 minutes right now uh, to do those types of things. Because if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it later. Or if you do have to do it later, it's a massive yeah. project. It's super annoying. <laughs> uh, so that's great. Um, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. At some point, I'm sure you have to sleep. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll ask one question before I'll end with the kind of generosity question. But I, I saw that you kind of lead a team and you work in over 50 countries. I'm just curious, what is it like and how difficult is it to kind of lead a team in different languages and different time zones all over the place? So what is it like? And two, what are some things that you found to kind of make it work or make, make it be successful? Because it sounds incredibly challenging. Uh, it is challenging, well, for me as a manager because it was, well, at one point I was um, leading 13 teams um, and that's like, that's impossible for one person. Um, yeah, so um, in terms of different markets, uh, one, well, so for example, when we were entering Brazil, um, it was, it really showed, we entered that with, uh, just work with an agency and we were using SEMRush as a data provider, analyzing all of the trends. For example, we were in Brazilian TV, uh, because we analyzed top, um, celebrities, um, mm. by search volume and, uh, mm. the top celebrity that we identified actually has released, uh, the new clip the next day. So it just all tied in together. So we were trying to work with media more than with their audience. And that worked really well. Um, we also were publishing content and doing webinars. And that when two years, roughly, we became the number, well, the second tool after Google Analytics. So that was... Wow. Yeah, so that that's like that's completely different approach to what we've done like with the US basically or UK. Mm -hmm. Um and with Australia that was really difficult because of the time zones. Well, the same with Brazil. Mm -hmm. Um and for example with uh, when we work with Turkey, uh, it's a different market because the um, they cannot afford um the like, even well they consider $100 too expensive and they mm -hmm. also um well the level of english and then our tool is not localized to turkish mm. and um so it really cuts down um the well yeah, the right. number of people who actually even can use the tool um yeah. and also because um google really understands english well but they do not really understand uh other languages that well uh then um updates and penalties and then all algorithm work really differently and right. um in in markets well for example russia is the same poland and then well um yeah a lot of um uh, countries like non-english speaking countries then they still practice um um some gray uh tactics and in black <laughs> uh hat because 
um, Google cannot really identify what's wrong with the language. And then, mm, interesting. Um, so uh, they also, they are now, well, um, they're now like three years behind in some ways. I hope I don't offend anyone, but um, <laughs> uh, so they, they're just learning some of the stuff that definitely doesn't work in US or UK. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's like, that's the difference because the educational content should be different. Uh, the tactics right. and then the tools that they're going to use or that they um, need are different. Uh, keyword research tactics are different. For example, in, um, in Israel, uh, the experts were saying, okay, we just identify what competitors are doing better. We fix this uh, for the client and that works already. And then while in Germany, the expert was saying that, well, we, we don't do only this because this will not be enough. We need to do extra keyword research and ensure we do better than the competitor. So hmm. um, that's a, like, that's a difference in, a, well, in how advanced markets are. And then, um, yeah, the implementing, well, and then how um, data-driven they are. And then also, um, yeah, uh, whether the tool is localized or not. So this is, yeah, this is. Yeah. It's just it sounds crazy. It sounds stressful. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um mm -hmm. well, because you work for such a global stage, I'd be interested to know kind of your more global perspective of a question that we ask a lot of people mm -hmm. come on the show, but how do you think we can grow, improve and optimize generosity? Um I think by one person at a time. Uh mm. so um I really um I think it all comes from gratitude and um, the first step to generosity is gratitude. And uh, um, if people are not, well, if people are happy uh, where they are, then they are inclined to help others. So everybody helps from a happy place and mm. uh, gratitude helps people to uh, cherish or accept the life uh at well this very moment as they as they live it so i think um the first step is gratitude and um yeah only one person at a time i i have my gratitude journals and then whenever something mm. happens um like a really small thing when i have a when i easily find a parking place uh, for example, I just, um, mm -hmm. I just, well, I'd like to say thank you. And um, <laughs> I, th because this is just uh, really small things, but um, big things and small things in, in a sense don't matter. They just add up or compound in your day. So I really encourage everyone to really kind of outline five, seven things in their day um, that they're grateful for. And I think from that, we have more happy people around and uh generosity comes from happy i like that a lot <laughs> i wrote down uh one of those kind of quotes there about starting with gratitude i think that's great and even just adding normally i do a list of kind of um six things i'm going to do for the day professionally to personally so now i'm going to add one more that's just like <laughs> something i'm grateful for that day so that's great thank you so much uh, well, thank you so much for sharing about social media and SEO and gratitude. This has been great. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your work? Um, so I, um, my um, accounts are on Olga Andrienko, O-L-G-A-N-D-I. 
R-I-E-N-K-O. So it's all Gandrienko, but with one A in the middle. And that's I'm, that's the same for Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Um, I'm active on all those accounts. Facebook is definitely, well, 99% business. Instagram, also, I'm all open and happy to have the conversation. And yeah, regarding SEMrush, that's just SEMrush.com. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to send out those uh, links as well. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Hi again, this is Brady, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to listen to all future episodes or maybe go back and listen to some of our past episodes, you can do so by going to generosityfreakshow.com, or you can search The Generosity Freak Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you listen to your pods. And uh, if you have any questions or a suggested guest, or maybe you yourself would like to come on the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at podcast at nextafter.com that's podcast at nextafter.com and if you want to find out more about this vision to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world and what we're doing at next after in terms of research resources and training you can find out more at nextafter.com that's nextafter.com thank you very much for listening and finally i have to say thank you to nathan hill our producer and mixologist this would not be possible without him so thank you nathan and thank you once again for listening 